Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick. All right, welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast for thevikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for the Viking Age. Before we get started today, make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at the Viking Age, and you can follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash the Viking Age. All right, on today's show... We've got Mac Robinson. He is the content producer for 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. He is here to help tell us a little bit more about the Cleveland Browns, which is the team that the Vikings are going to face this weekend, week four, inside U.S. Bank Stadium. A uh, big matchup at 12 p.m. Central Time. So just welcome to the show, Mac. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm really excited for this matchup this weekend. For sure, there's there's lots of different reasons to uh, to be excited. I think a lot of people are really excited about the return of uh, Case Keenum to Minnesota. Um, no, I'm just kidding. It's the <laughs> the big story, obviously, is is Kevin Stefanski, former offensive coordinator, former whatever you name it, pretty much for the Vikings <laughs> during his I believe 14 years with the Vikings. He left last year to take the head coaching gig. With the Browns, all he did was lead them to their first playoff win since the mid '90s. Um, so, I guess aside from from le- leading them to those wins and the playoff win, what has just separated Kevin Stefanski apart from the handful of Browns coaches before him? Well, I, I will say this: it's been a welcome difference when it came to Kevin Stefanski because one, you had the gravitas that he had coming in, and basically the cool, calm, collected uh nature that he had coming in but on top of that the preparation more than anything because it it really does seem like it we're a fish out of water at this point because we're so used to you know Hugh Jackson Mm -hmm. uh Mike Pettin who you guys saw with Green Bay Mm -hmm. for a while there like so many of these different yeah Freddie Kitchens oh god I I try (laughs) to block that out in my mind too just there was so much turmoil Mm -hmm. but yeah like there's so many coaches where it was you know power struggles it was uh, guys that just weren't ready for the job, to be honest. And mm-hmm. you know, maybe we're better coordinators or position coaches than actual head coaches. Um, but j- just came in, started talking the talk instead of actually walking the walk. And really, with Kevin Stefanski, despite the fact that you know really didn't have an offseason, it was all virtual, and only had a six-week training camp, and lost his first game to the Ravens, and then proceeded to go eleven and four for the rest of the season. You know, it, it was just an entirely different level with Kevin Stefanski uh, that we in Cleveland were not used to whatsoever. Um, right. But overall, just it's a well-run team. And, you know, he's really in a, a little over a year at this point now, you know, he, he's really instilled 
just the expectation that this is a well-coached and a good culture around this entire team that really has been disarray, you know, since they uh, returned back in the league in 1999. I'm trying to think, uh, you know, I don't remember last year or this year so far of the Browns really being what, like blown out um, in a game. It feels like they're always competitive since Stefanski has been there, you know, whether they win or lose, it seems like they're always in the game. Yeah. And I would totally agree because the only one that really stood out was, or the only two, I should say, the only two I would say were against Baltimore at the beginning of last year. And then against the Steelers, I want to say in week five. Um, But those were the only two where, you know, it felt like the Browns were kind of able to get on a roll um, with the, with the Ravens game. I thought that was a good litmus test for them just to see where they were at. Again, given the lack of preparation, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to, to win. They lost 38 to 7. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. against the, the Steelers, that was still when the offense was trying to get a, a foothold on just what they were able to do and trying to get a grasp on that Stefanski offense. But, you know, you really didn't see them get their bearings until that Cincinnati game where, and it just coincided with Odell Beckham going down. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that was when Baker got comfortable. You started to see Donovan Peoples-Jones, Richard Higgins, a lot of those guys able to come up and make plays. And despite people knowing it for a running offense, and again, rightfully so when you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but, you know, Baker was no slouch by the end of that season. And uh, again, the game against Tennessee was a big uh, reminder of that. And, And even to an extent in the Steelers game, even though, you know, you didn't necessarily need it by the time you got out of the first quarter. So, you know, Baker's play really tremendously improved once he got under uh, the system with uh, Kevin Stefanski after that bye week and throughout the rest of that season. All right. So compared to last year, is there anything different that Stefanski's maybe added to the Browns offense? Um, I, I will say this last year, there were, there were very few trick plays or maybe end arounds, yeah. everything like that. But I think that with the addition of Anthony Schwartz uh, oh, yeah. and Demetric Felton into, into this uh, skill position group, you know, there, there's a lot of different guys that are more versatile, I, I would say, uh, compared to the guys that they had last year. And, and to be quite honest, more guys that are more physically gifted. Um, you know, they were guys that were technically very skilled at the position. But again, when you have a guy like Anthony Schwartz, who has Olympic track speed, yeah. and then you have Demetric Felton, who just seemed to make plays, despite what his combine said, you know, he just always made plays at UCLA. And he's shown that this year so far. So, you know, I look at a lot of the plays that they've been able to make so far this year, and I think that it's Stefanski kind of expanding on it. And even Austin Hooper mentioned it in the offseason. You know, last year you got the bare bones of, of the offense. You got basically, all right, we don't have the offseason to get into this. We're going to just kind of ease you into this. Now you're getting into more of the advanced stuff, a little bit more of the play action, and a lot more of those end arounds just kind of see where the defense is at. So I think that the offense has really expanded more than what we saw last year, which was pretty crazy, to be honest, thinking of how well that offense was uh, firing at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm curious to see, like, what's different about the Browns' offense compared to when he was running the Vikings' offense. Because they had a lot of those. He would run the ball, obviously, because Mike Zimmer makes you do that. Um, (laughs) Right. But uh, obviously, he would throw in some some trick plays. So I think there was one where, I want to say, maybe Adam Thielen threw the ball and, and and. Kirk Cousins like just missed a like dough. It's just like a, a a memorable picture in my mind. That might have been last year though, actually. Um, all right, we spoke about Baker Mayfield. 
Mm-hmm. He's only thrown two touchdown passes so far this year in three games. But the Browns have scored at least 26 points in each game. So are his lack of TD passes just due to his lack of opportunities to throw the, these balls in the end zone? Or is it due to something else? Well, I'll say this. With the Texans game uh, in particular, I think that was the shoulder. As much as he doesn't say it, I think that it was kind of affecting him a little bit. Um, it, his ability to get the ball downfield at that point. A lot of his passes were maybe short, intermediate routes. So he wasn't necessarily taking the deep shots. But against the Chiefs, there were a couple of times where it was just a little bit over. And mm-hmm. I was at the game last week against Chicago, and there were a few opportunities that he had where you know Odell was going down the sideline or he had you know Anthony Schwartz going down the field. The opportunities are there. He was just slightly off. So I think that as the season kind of goes on, you're going to see those start to hit more and more. But I, I also so. think... Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) But I think that that's just going to come with time. And I think that out of anything, it's been a lot more game script because against Mm -hmm. Kansas City, you know, they were able to run the ball down Kansas City's throat for the most part um, early on. And that really took away a lot of the points. And then by the time you got to the second half, you know, it kind of stumbled a little bit. But at the same time, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that that was all entirely uh, on on Baker. But I think that it's just more so circumstance than actual you know, production on his part, uh, as I'm sure that Colin Coward and many others will probably say. <laughs> he doesn't talk about him at all. I've never. No, no, never, no, not in the slightest. Never heard him. He'd rather talk him. about Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't mention him at all. Um, so what is what does Baker have to do this season in order to earn an extension from the Browns in 2022, or do you think that it's already pretty much in the cards, no matter what? Maybe he does this year. I think it's in the cards, but I think that what this year is going to determine is how much is going to end up being given to him. Because I think that what you saw at the end of last year when he finally had that grasp on Stefanski's offense, Mm -hmm. I think that you started to see a quarterback that, in my opinion, I was ready to pet. Um, And and I know that some people were against it, try to save some cap. For me, the quarterback price is going to rise no matter what. So. In my opinion, it was let's knock it out, get it out of the way, get your quarterback locked up and go on from there. But when it comes to Baker now at this point, it's all right, let's determine just how much uh, is going to end up coming his way. Um, Now, I will say this, if he's able to, you know, rise up to that second half level that, to be quite honest, I expect him to reach and possibly surpass. um, You know, I think that, yeah, I think he's going to get a little bit higher than people expect. Uh, out of Baker. But at the same time, um, I I do think that regardless of how the season plays out, unless he throws like 50 interceptions and like 15 touchdowns, then I I don't see any other way where he doesn't get an extension this offseason. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think I agree with you that they should have probably, you know, if it's in the cards already this year, they probably should have done it this year because the cap is going to go up next year by like 20 or 30 million. And Obviously, most players are going to be like, "Hey, I know you have more money, so why don't you give me more money?" Um, <laughs> right. But and I think I don't think a lot of people realize Baker's only, well, he's only he's only been in the league since 2018, so this is his fourth season. He's still relatively young. Have you been satisfied? I guess with the with his development so far. Um, given the coaching that he's had over the last four years, yes. Yeah. Um, because I, I will say this: for as much as people prop up Josh Allen. And I will rightfully admit, I was not a big Josh Allen guy, but at the same time, (laughs) at the same time, like, look, I'll admit 
what Brandon Bean and uh, Sean McDermott have done for him, yeah. getting him Stephon Diggs and those yeah. receivers, phenomenal job. Who? Never. Heard of yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Wrong <laughs> podcast to bring it up. Sorry, sore subject. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah, they got no. Justin Jefferson. It's not sore subject. <laughs> yeah, right. At least you guys got the replacement yes. immediately. Yes. Um, but yeah, so uh, when it comes to, um, uh, I- I'm sorry, I-, I completely blanked. Baker with, Mayfield. Uh, yeah, Baker. His development. Um, when it came, when it comes to his development, you know. I look at comparatively with Josh Allen, you know, he's had Brian Dayball for all yep. four seasons. Yep, yep. Meanwhile, Baker Mayfield, this is his first time in his career and going back to, I think, college at this point where he's had back-to-back offensive systems. Yeah. So, you know, for him, I think that comparatively where Josh Allen has four years of development, you're now in year two of, Baker, of Baker's development. And to be honest, I, I almost say a year and a half because that first half was basically just flushing all of the crap that he learned for the first two years. So, you yeah. know, I, I look at it and I think that for where he's at, I give him a lot of props. And I think that he's he's definitely farther ahead than I expected uh, in this Stefanski offense. Yeah, you look at a lot of top quarterbacks in the league over the years, like Drew Brees and uh, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. They've all they've all had the same guys leading their offense like their entire time with with the team, like John Payton, New Orleans. Uh, was who's who's the offensive coordinator for the Patriots? That's McDaniel's. Yes, yeah, Sean or not Sean? Not Sean McDaniel's. Josh. Uh, Josh McDaniel's. Why? Why is Sean? Um, um, <laughs> I think I threw you off. I'm, I'm thinking of Sean McVay. I think. Um, and then uh, you know Andy Reid in Kansas City. So I think yeah, the the having that continuity is huge, especially for a young quarterback. And I think yeah, it's gonna it's gonna pay off for for the Browns. But right now their offense, it seems like it's running literally with with Nick Chubb and and Kareem Hunt they're playing very well this year but you know how many games do you think the Browns can win if their offense is so strictly based on the success of these two players well honestly I think that the way that Stefanski has structured this offense it actually works hand in hand because you know especially in you know with Minnesota as well and having seen him run his offense in the way that you know, Zimmer likes to have that offense run Mm -hmm. typically, Um, you know, they typically run off the play action. So, you know, a lot of times, yes, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they headline this running game. And I mean, look, they, they performed as well as they did on Sunday. You know, Kareem Hunt had 150 yards of total offense on Sunday by himself. And comparatively, Nick Chubb can have that same type of week. But, you know, between the two of them, I, I think that the Browns have found a way to, emphasize the running game while also having people say that the running backs don't matter because mm-hmm. while yes, you have two top 10 running backs, they also eat each eat up each other's touches enough to yeah. where they're sustaining those hits so they can both extend their careers. Yeah. So I think that with the way that the Browns offense is structured currently, I think that they can do really well with this offense. And because of that Baker Mayfield, he's phenomenal off play action. He's been a lot better uh, especially with disguising that for for the offense as well. So I really do think that even though this is a rushing attack between Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, there's a ton of mouths to feed with a receiving room and tight ends as well. You know, I do think that this offense actually really goes hand in hand together, despite what some people might consider uh, being essentially yin and yang at that point. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. I guess if you look at the stats this season, the Browns performed very well. On defense, but they did just play the Texans and the Bears, and I we don't nobody knows what the Bears were doing last week. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So is the jury still out for you on this year's Browns defense, or do you still think that they are, you know, they're going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL this year? So I, I think that they're going to be short answer. Yes. I think they're going to be one of the better defenses in the NFL this year. Uh, the long answer I, I would say is that the Browns have been dealing with injuries constantly on defense. Yeah. Anthony Walker, one of the big signs that they had coming in, he got hurt after week one. Uh, you have Malcolm Smith now stepping up because Jacob Phillips had an issue uh, with his bicep. He should be back around no- November, December, probably. Um, so at that point, you're dealing with a bunch of new bodies that didn't really play all that much together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defensive line, I- I'll say this, even though it was against Chicago and uh, you, you've seen it, I've seen it in person. Chicago's team's terrible. Uh, like that offensive line is absolutely terrible. Like I love Justin Fields, but I worry for his safety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that what you saw last week where Garrett, he started lining up inside Clowney started lining up inside. Mm-hmm. They lined him up on the same side of the, of the defensive line. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see the comfortability going in for those guys, not to mention finding guys like Malik McDowell, uh, picking him up, Malik Jackson coming in as a veteran, Andrew Billings mixed in. You know, they have a lot of these guys who are mixing in well along the defensive line. And then on the back end, you know, Greg Newsom, I, I mean, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and oddly enough, you know, you'd think that they would that defenses or I'm sorry, that offense would pick on the rookie. You no, know, they've been deciding to go to Denzel Ward rather than going to Greg Newsom so far this year. Um, but the big key in this has been Grant Delpit because Delpit mm-hmm. missed most of training camp, missed uh that first game against Kansas City. He comes back the last two weeks, and they've slowly been bringing him along. He's all of a sudden been that box safety uh, that you can mix in a little bit. Um, but on top of that, he has the flexibility to blitz, but he's also been somebody who can cover the back end of the defense. And so all of a sudden, that opens up the dime defense that Joe Woods has wanted to run since he came in. But between those guys, Troy Hill uh, mixing in the slot, there's a lot of different guys that they can mix in. And I think that as this season kind of progresses along, and I've had to urge Browns fans of this too, because last year we gave Kevin Stefanski's offense time to gel, get used to each yeah. other, everything like that. I think that we need to air that same kind of caution when it comes to the defense, give them a little bit of time. Now that you're kind of getting into some of these games where they can blitz, uh, they can get into some of those blitz packages, they can mix and match some of these guys. I think that you're starting to finally see some of that comfortability and I haven't even mentioned Jeremiah Usuku-Koromoa, who absolutely was phenomenal uh, last week, by far his best game. And seeing him in person, the instincts and the way that he's able to find the ball somehow, some way, was incredible to watch. So there's so many different chess pieces that Joe Woods has at his disposal, and he still has more that are injured that can come back. You mentioned Greg Newsom, the rookie corner for the Browns. already been declared out for, for Sunday's game against the Vikings. So how much do you worry about him not being out there going against the Vikings team with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and now even an emerging KJ Osborne? You know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned at all okay. uh, because Greedy Williams, it's his first start since his rookie season. He missed all of 2020 uh, due to a nerve injury. Um, you know, he's come back. He looks strong uh, and played hard against Chicago last week, played well. Um, so I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he plays. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he plays against Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. as well. Uh, obviously both teammates with LSU. So I'm interested to see how those guys play. Um, 
but he looked like he was confident on the field, which is what I was kind of wondering how he would play, how he would react. Um, but, you know, he talked to uh, reporters today, too, said that, you know, he felt good uh, getting the start this year. He feels like he's ready. And on top of that, too, you have guys like A.J. Green, who's been somebody who, you know, plays well on special teams, but also M.J. Stewart um, is somebody who has mixed in in the slot at safety as well. And Troy Hill, again, I mentioned before, he's somebody who can play inside uh, primarily, but also has experience playing outside. So they have some help for Greedy as well. But I think that Greedy will be able to step up and at least perform well. I don't know how well you're going to be able to go going up against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. It's one of the best duos in the league. But, you know, no, I mean, a hell of a first start in, in two years. So way to pick your spot. But, you know, I'm excited to see how he's able to perform on Sunday. There's a lot of LSU flavor in the yeah there, between Delphit, him, Williams, Delphit, yeah, Jefferson, uh, Beckham, <laughs> yeah, and Jarvis Landry. He's not playing, but he would have been right. Daniel Hunter. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot in there. Um, is there any chance, based on how he started his season so far, that you're worried about Kirk Cousins? Um, I would say looked, this: he looked real good last week. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, I, I'll say this. And I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not like the biggest. I'm not like Kirk Cousins. He's he's got all these great stats. He's one. He should be yeah. one of the best quarterbacks. No, I'll 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 criticize him when he needs criticism. So uh, for me to say that last week he played really well, he 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 played really well. Yeah, from everything that I saw, he he looked like he did very well. Um, I'll say this. I am concerned because of the fact that, like I mentioned, Jefferson and Thielen, he seems to be having a good rapport with those guys, obviously. And the bigger part that I'm, I'm concerned about too, is that this Browns defense in the past has struggled with uh, giving up yards to, to running backs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm interested (laughs) to see how the, basically I'm looking at these teams as mirrors of each other, basically, because again, they really are. Um, but between Dalvin Cook, how him and Madison yep. uh, are able to set up that play action game for Kirk Cousins, and how they can set up that that offense for him. And at that point, you have two great receivers on the outside. And like you said, KJ Osborne, he's somebody who's coming on uh, this year. So, you know, it's somebody that you have to keep an eye out for. So I'm worried about Kirk Cousins because he's a good enough veteran that he's able to get the ball into the spots where it needs to be. And it's not just in fields where you can get him discouraged. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm looking at this and yeah, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned about Kirk Cousins. But at yes. the same time, I'm also not <laughs> I'm not be- bearing down like, oh, God, oh, it's Kirk Cousins. It's the end of the world's guy's fault. Listen, you know what? The game's not in prime time, So that's one thing going <laughs> for Kirk Cousins. OK, he's got that going for him. We can always uh, get a flex. Yeah, <laughs> not too early for that. Let's not get any crazy <laughs> ideas. All right, I'll get you out of here with this. Our, okay. okay, we're three games into the season. I'm, I'm guessing before the season started, you maybe thought the Browns could contend for the top spot in the AFC. Am I, what about, would I be lying if I said that? Absolutely not. All right, um, so three games in, are the Browns a Super Bowl contender? Yes, okay. uh, I still stand by it. Um, I understand that the two wins are against two teams that have not looked great at all. Um, but at the same time, I also look at again, week one against Kansas city. Uh, you know, they were able to pretty much control that game other than their own mental mistakes and mental errors. 
Um, no, I will say that there are things that they still have to correct. Uh, there were a few special teams penalties last week that really need to get corrected. Again, Mike Prefer, special thanks to you guys for that one. Um, <laughs> you but, can have him. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure. Um, based on last week, I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, again, uh, some issues that they need to correct. Uh, but overall, I, I think that this is just a matter of time before they're able to kind of gel, get everything figured out. Um, but I do still consider them in that, that upper echelon, uh, and definitely one of the top contenders. Cause I'll be honest, I'm still not overly impressed by Buffalo. I- I'm really not. No, yeah. Um, I understand that the final score has said differently, but you know, again, I, I think that we saw the best of Josh Allen last year. Um, yeah. and comparatively, you know, Mahomes and Kansas city, they look like they can be vulnerable that defense. It looks sure. like they're going to be vulnerable. And I think that there's a little bit of a vacuum at the top of the AFC just because Baltimore hasn't stepped up. Ben Roethlisberger looks like he needs to be in Shady Acres ASAP. <laughs> and, you know, I, I look at the rest of the Watch AFC. those Bengals? Honestly, the Bengals are underrated. <laughs> I said coming into the year, I thought that they'd be on. I was be more three concerned. and one after tonight. I was more concerned about the Bengals coming into this year than Pittsburgh. Well, yeah, that's fair. Like, and... I would say this. Again, I mean, they beat the, fact, the, they they beat the Vikings week one, so I I obviously I know that they're not terrible. Right, right, right. Exactly. They're not the same it, Bengals that they have been. The last no, years. no, no. Only on only in ownership. Uh, yeah, only yeah, basically yeah, ownership yeah. spending, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> no, they but look, they yeah, look good, I, yeah, I think the Browns are up. I think the Browns are up at the top there. I will say that. That's fair enough. Yeah, you look at the AFC. I think heading into the season, everyone's like, "Oh, the AFC's loaded and everything," and now it's like. It's been a maybe, pretty disappointing start. Maybe not so them. much. The AFC West seems pretty loaded, but yeah, not. Um, well, and, and the Browns are going to have a gauntlet here coming up uh, following this game, too, because next week uh, they're traveling out to L.A. to face the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Then they come back home to play Arizona, mm-hmm. and then they play on Thursday night football to play against the Denver Broncos, who apparently are phenomenal, thanks to Teddy yeah. Bridgewater. Yeah, again, yeah, yeah. hat tip to you guys. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like again, it's a bit of a gauntlet here coming up, more so than I expected. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that this is going to be once you start to see the Browns kind of get through this stretch here. I think that you can see them getting onto a roll. Yeah, you're going to figure out who the Browns are after these next four games for sure. You're going to know, you know, what they're capable of. I, I think for sure, and you, and you know that'll get you right around. You know, usually around Thanksgiving is when we figure out you know which teams are contenders and and not and then. That'll, that stretch will get you kind of there. But that's all I got for you today, Mac. Uh, where can people follow you on Twitter? You guys can follow me on Twitter at MacRobinson95. I post stuff about Browns typically during the week or uh, during Brown Sundays, but I also cover Cavs and uh, uh, Indians slash Guardians yep. uh, at this point now. So, um, yeah, you guys can follow me there. I post myself on a 923 The Fan. Uh, and occasionally we'll fill in hosts or work behind the scenes over there too. There's so. no hockey team in uh, Ohio, is there? Uh, we got the Lake Minor Erie League. Monsters. Yeah, Lake yeah, Erie Monsters. <laughs> the beast that we have of Lake Erie. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Other than that, uh, go Blue Jackets. <laughs> oh, oh, that's you're right. Never mind. <laughs> I was thinking. I was just thinking of Cleveland because I don't think of really any other city in Ohio. Other, hey, 2016 Calder Cup champion. 
There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. There you go. Um, not better than the the San Diego goals out here, you know. That's, no, that's no, of course that's not. We, we, we only wish that we could compete at that level. Right, right. right. <laughs> all right. That's all I got for you today, Mac. Thanks for coming on. Make sure to go check out his stuff. Uh, check out this podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But until next time, we will talk to you later.